0: Walking Dead, a podcast Pulverizing episodes beyond The Walking Dead universe Beyond even that I'm your host, David Caveo, uh, and I'm joined by Sharon D. A.K.A. Blazing Gardner and Bridget A.K.A. Punky Brewster KO-FI.com slash Punky Brewster That's P-O-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-R Yeah, sometimes you have to Just put yourself out there Sometimes you shouldn't <laughs> We're covering the third episode <laughs> of The Walking Dead Daryl Dixon, which is Paris sera toujours Paris, which means Paris will always be Paris. First of all, keeping in mind the fact that this episode was kind of, sort of, all over the place. IMHO. Mm. As opposed to the first two episodes, which had some pretty steady pacing, feels like not too much happened. First episode, you know, quite a few things happened, and yet there was still a lot of character development. Second episode was a little bit slower but didn't seem to bother Rachel, who is my yardstick for things like that. But this episode, it seems like a lot happens and we still get a ton of nuggets along the way, even though it starts off pretty slow. I wish that
1: I had had a chance to fully rewatch it and think about it before we were talking about it because I really enjoyed it. But I feel like there was a lot to unpack in a lot of things that were in the background that I didn't have time to go back and look for. But I really enjoyed it. Like, oh, i the symphony. That just feels like, whoa, that was awesome. But I, I kind of feel like like what you said, it's all over the place. I feel like it was two separate episodes almost. Because you have the first half where they're going to Paris. Then they meet the resistance fighters or whatever. And then the second half when they're actually in Paris. The visuals were amazing, as always.
0: So speaking about AMC, you were really mostly referring to the fact that we're getting these episodes... Early, but early as in 3 a.m. this morning, and it's now 1 1 p.m., 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon. And you either have to stay up until 3 a.m. to watch it for the first time and then take notes or be an idiot and take notes right away. But for me, I didn't even get the episode on the web until right when I needed to take notes. I did get it on my phone, though. So that's really weird. It's like this PTSD that we had during, I want to say it was Fear the Walking Dead season seven, where In many cases, it didn't show up on AMC Plus for Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. You had instances where it didn't show up at all.
2: I was paying for AMC Plus on Mm -hmm. Prime, and then I also ended up paying for a month on Apple TV just so I could watch it.
1: I got it through Amazon, and it never showed up, and so I ended up going and getting AMC Plus. That's why I didn't do it through Amazon this year.
2: I'm mad about it because I like AMC plus through Prime, I get shutter and I get a lot of other content through it. But yeah, sometimes they screw it up. But it was up there at five AM when I watched it.
1: I can't tell you how many times I stayed up until three to watch it and it didn't show up. And I was There's no way I'm staying up till three ever. I quit doing it. I quit doing it. (laughs) Because I was like, I'd have to go to work till the afternoon then, so it wasn't a big deal. You know, I slept late anyway, but I quit doing it because I'm like, I'm staying up till three to watch the show and you guys can't even get it up on time. That's what she said. Like the tip
0: of the Eiffel Tower? Yeah. Yeah, basically. If that's a good analogy. Anyway, (laughs) Bridget, what did you think of this episode overall? Keeping in mind, yes, that this episode may, or you can disagree, have been a little bit all over the place.
2: Well, I woke up at 4 a.m. to say goodbye to my mother and my aunt. Then I went back to bed. Then I woke up at 5 a.m. and I watched this episode. And then I got up and packed up my hotel room and drove over five hours back to North Carolina where I tried to watch it again.
0: From Tennessee,
2: yeah, from Tennessee, and In then case had, people wanted to know, and then and now I'm here, so I'm exhausted, and I can't have caffeine. I'm not allowed to. I really enjoyed it so far. I think this was my favorite episode. I just think there were so many cool parts, so many little pieces, so many references to other things. Maybe it's the Jim Morrison thing. I don't know. Something about this episode's really doing it for me. I'm excited for the rest of this season. This is the ramp up. So from here on out, it should be action. I don't know what's going to happen, but it should be theoretically action.
0: Right, it should be noted that like yeah, now we're in the the big city. So Well, and there's only well, 3 episodes left. City.
1: Right, right. Just a quick note once again, Daryl shows up to a settlement that's doing pretty well and within 24 hours <laughs> it's being raided and destroyed. <laughs>
2: To be fair, so of, nice, I that. mean, <laughs> to be fair, they were so cavalier about the level of information that they're providing people. Someone mentioned this.
0: You're saying Falu's group
2: somewhere, yeah? Someone mentioned this somewhere that how unlike Daryl it was to leave behind a recording of himself, and I just thought, yeah, but like, why would Daryl ever assume someone was going to be looking for him? He's in a okay, foreign yeah. country. He's traveled so many miles away from the spot where. He jumped out of a boat. But not only that, but
1: he probably forgot all about the recording. Like, he had so much other stuff going on. That was just something he had stuck in his pack. And like, he, yeah, I have other shit to do. You got other shit to worry about.
2: This is not like our group in America. Super tight lip about things, automatically suspicious of other people, there's like this sense of like community amongst these people, which I think is really dangerous. But that's the classic Western civilization versus the Eastern side of the world because we value independence. That's like a huge American trait. People have done like studies on this. Like Americans are considered rude by other countries because we value independence. So like in another country, you would ask how to get somewhere. And that person that you ask would probably walk with you there to show you the way because make sure you get there. That's how that's how it is there. And in America, because we value independence, we tell you how to get there and then we let you do it on your own. But that's viewed as rude. You wouldn't even offer to walk inhospitable. Right. Yeah. It's interesting to see this dynamic that is truly European in nature. And for me to be like so suspicious of it, the fact that they know Falu by name, they mention the rooftop in front of other people. Everyone now knows in this club, like where you're from. That's dangerous, isn't it?
0: Well, unless everybody's on equal footing and everybody else is just like him or not like him, but similar to meaning people kind of know everybody else's game
2: it's just very different from what we've seen previously
0: i definitely hear you because that did cross my mind and i kind of wrote it off as some sort of i don't know these guys are semi-religious they have ties to this order this idea
2: yeah, of yeah uh, i mean the union of hope
1: that would explain rj Gaines being the way he was because instead of sharing with the community He took it all and hoarded it to himself
2: because. Well, because the American trait is. God damn it, I'm an American. Well, the American (laughs) trait is. I mean, I believe in helping others, not only as a Christian, but just like as a person, like feels icky if you're not. But I could see there being like that value and independence and focusing in on that and that being like something just so ingrained in you based on the country that you come from.
0: Isabel says while she's at the. Rooftop with Falou and everybody else. Laurent starts taking in alms, little alms for the church, for himself, whatever it is, because he's mm. the guy. He's the guy, you know. The, he's the guy. And uh, <laughs> Daryl's saying Potter. to, yeah, he's he's the one who lived, technically. Mm. And uh, Daryl says uh, it's a it's kind of a lot to put on a kid. And Isabel says God chooses our burdens, which immediately hit my brain like a lightning bolt because the expression that I usually hear is, and I love this expression because it really helps you shift perspective. I'm not saying I'm a self-ascribed stoic or anything like that. I'm not a nihilist and I'm definitely not an existentialist, but as, a, as more of a stoic thing, it reminds me of, and I can't really even remember the source of this quote, and I actually really did some work trying to find it, We Choose Our Suffering, which is more born out of Jean-Paul Sartre and uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, that sort of nihilist existentialist perspective. So it's it's such a contrast. You're talking about contrast between the values of liberty and independence. Well, specifically, this idea of we choose our suffering accentuates personal responsibility and personal freedom over relinquishing your burdens or taking on burdens from a higher power. So this is you have the power, you have the agency, you manifest your own destiny, you work hard, you get paid, etc. Everything is in your hands. And it's this perfect thing where this moment happens Daryl and Isabel have a an attempt at reconciliation by the end of it where Daryl's kind of like "You're making up story. make up a good story about me leaving. You're good at it. And then she's firing back and they're firing back. She, he's talking about telling the truth. She's like, "Well, the truth is hard essentially and horrible. Laurent comes out and he says, "I hate both of you and it, it perfectly dovetails into this perfect conversation that we're having right now about okay, well, yes, you can be too self-reliant. you can be too independent, let's say. Mm. Or you could be too cooperative. And both things could be seen as bad. Maybe the truth does suck. <laughs> and it does, a lot of the time. Truth sucks. But we all believe in something. And it's actually baked into our nature to, to believe in something too. And maybe it's evolution or an, an evolutionary something that we acquired across our, <laughs> our journey as humans. Throughout the ages. It's a very interesting philosophical conversation that I'm having at you. <laughs> that you're having at me. <laughs> basically <what> it is. <laughs> And this episode is rife with this theme of going back and forth between self-reliance and cooperation as well.
1: Actually, I felt like the theme of it was more... There's a lot of um, themes.
0: I just want to make that clear.
1: Going <laughs> this around is and around, right? Because we had the records. We had Jim Morrison's record at the gravesite. Mm. And we well, and the song kind of repeats, too. We had the record at the symphony.
2: Ravel. And Ravel, then, um,
1: yeah. A bolero. Falou says when they're walking through the catacombs, America is an infant. We've had many apocalypses and we've lived through them all. Basically, it's going around and around. We're experiencing just one more mm, Everything's cyclical. Because, I mean, because in the Black Death, a third of the population died.
0: I want, I want to say even more. Two-thirds.
1: Yeah. I don't think it was two-thirds, Or maybe though. it was 40 I, um, I think it was, like a, it, was, it was somewhere between like a third and a half of the population. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. You would have
2: thought the world was ending. I right. Mean, either yeah. way,
1: everybody around you is dying, and there's nothing you can do to stop it, and there's no way to protect yourself. For them, that was an apocalypse. Now, the people who died didn't come back and try to eat you, but the fleas jumped off of them onto you and bit you, and you died, too. So... And here's Daryl wanting to circle back to America. Isabel coming back to Paris full circle.
2: Oh, yeah. Running into Quinn again. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, you're right. You're right. You
0: mean, so, so you're saying that the theme is revolution because of revolution? Um,
2: well, I mean, sure. <laughs> okay.
0: it could, I mean, it could be. It- <laughs> but I wanted to touch on something that you'd said, though. The, going back to our conversation about independence versus cooperation. Part of the reason that I think anthropologists were kind of really trying to break down how I mean, obviously, it was the fleas and the rodents that spread the plague, but also Parisian culture too. So when, when you greet someone, you do the kisses on the cheek, etc. Somebody had said this and I can't remember who it was. I think it was on Reddit. It was like one of those passing notifications that you kind of see. Why are they always touching each other on these shows? <laughs> or at least in this show, at least. And I was thinking to myself, well, you know what? That makes a lot of sense because a lot of people say that the reason for that, aside from like the lack of bathing as well and hygiene and why the Jews were mostly blamed because we have ritual Hand cleansing before meals and stuff like that. So we were like the prime suspect number one at the time. It is this tactile culture of kissing on the cheek and and embracing and breathing on each other. And, well, like and the intimacy like that. of the culture. Hopping. Exactly. Yeah. Which again, Americans are not prone to do. I mean, there's the handshake, sure, but by then also, you know, we we learned a little bit more. At the time. Well, you
2: remember COVID. I grew up that shaking a hand was the, the polite thing to do, and all of a sudden it was impolite to offer it.
0: Yeah. The, the, we did the whole elbow bump thing. We couldn't even do a fist bump after <sighs> so a while. stupid. So. You know,
2: or people could just try washing their hands instead of being gross. I wonder if the um,
1: cultural prevalence of the closeness in Europe is based in how much smaller the country is, the, the land condom. mass. Mm-hmm. Because In America, we've historic, not so much now because we're very built up, but historically we've been very spread out because America is a huge country and we spread out the population. Europe is relatively small compared to the U.S. With the population, they are forced to be in closer. Because they are closer physically, they're more likely to be closer than persons.
2: Yeah. I mean, a lot of that had to do with any country like during that time period because- It was like you didn't have ways to long form travel successfully. That's why the East Coast of the U.S. was so built up for so long in comparison to further inland and then to the West Coast, because all of those cities were built as these areas where everybody surrounded, because it was easier to live within five miles of town than it is to live 30 plus miles from a town. Suddenly now, are you dying because you're too far Mm -hmm. away from the doctor? Or right, right. you can't get food during a snowstorm. I <laughs> can't
0: get my Uber Eats. <laughs> no, but we're, we, were <laughs> I I in,
2: we were infants when that happened. Like These cultures went much longer with that being like a, a base oh. requirement of life.
0: Well, also, you have to keep in mind that the plague actually happened during one of the biggest boom in terms of trade. You had the expansion of the caliphate at the time, too. So, you know, you're talking about crusades, caliphate. There was massive amounts, massive amount of trading between the North African countries and Europe as well. And things were moving very rapidly. People were engaging with people rapidly. And then all of a sudden, the plague happens, wrecks everything. And so, yeah, I mean, it
1: wasn't just Europe. It was Africa, Asia, everybody. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it wiped out
0: because of the trading.
1: Right, right. Well, because the rats would get on the ships and the ships would go to the ports and then they would get off and they would bite the people. Well, not the rats, the fleas on the rats.
0: Right. And the in the, in the, the Middle Eastern, the England, yeah. more Muslim cultures would kiss two times and the, the French would kiss three times. And it's, it's a whole thing. So
1: <laughs> people thought they could escape it by getting out of the cities. But you took your, the rats with you when you yeah. traveled to the countryside and you still got it there. So damned there if you no, do, damned if you don't. There was no escape. It's, I guess it kind of is like the zombie apocalypse. There is no escape. There's nowhere that's safe. Mm. Right. You're going to be attacked no matter where you go, what you do.
0: And the miracle, again, to touch on this piece of the show is that you are alive to begin with. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not that you're the Messiah. It's maybe that you're just a very lucky kid in a very horrible world. And so all of us are the Messiahs. We can be heroes just for one day. <laughs> okay, Keanu. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's Bowie. Damn it. Yeah,
1: but, but they played it in The Replacements, and Keanu Reeves was in that, so.
0: Eh. Great movie, by the way.
1: Yes. If, yes, it is. That's one of my favorites.
2: It is yeah. a really good movie.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like the fact that one of the zombies that fell out of the window was a fire zombie or acid zombie or whatever. We were thinking that maybe it was experiments that made that happen. But if that dude's just been locked in their apartment since they died, like, I don't think experimenting has anything to do with the acid. The the zombies. I assume the that burner. the
2: experiments then somehow were freed. You know, that's happening.
1: But in but the world. why would it why would only one be a burner <laughs> and all the ones around him not? Then? Or two.
2: It, I think it was two. It was two. Yeah.
1: But there was a whole bunch of bodies falling, so why would it only affect I two? I know, and but not what if rest? it's
2: like what if it has to do with some sort of genetic marker that you have to have? Or that you exploit too?
1: But maybe that's natural. Maybe it's natural if you have a certain genetic makeup because the genetic makeup of people in France are gonna be significantly different than the genetic makeup of people in America.
0: I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm.
1: If you're of French descent, you might have the same marker, but
2: Yeah, but that's like rampant in the South, specifically in like Louisiana. They'd be so close to that. I feel like But we haven't been to Louisiana. We haven't. We but have actually for to- like yeah, a I don't second. Know. <laughs> Oh, yeah we, awesome yeah, we did for a second. Yeah, we did for a second. We were so excited about it, that we immediately left.
0: <laughs> we're not We're not giving people a little bit more context. What you're saying is basically, as a result of watching this episode and seeing Janae's experiments, the thought occurred to you, just like it did for me, that perhaps this was... The burners were yet another attempt at maybe... Well, that's the question, really, that no, we, we need to No, we had talked about
2: this already in a previous episode.
0: No, we talked about the science, but we didn't talk about the cause.
2: I was
1: thinking of the original french experiments like when they talked about the violet and all the more reason to give context that. yeah yeah so i was thinking we were thinking that maybe they experimented and created them but i think that it's more maybe a natural occurrence occurrence and maybe there's something in that person like you said genetics maybe there's something in that person's genetics that didn't go t- transfer to america or it's in places of america that we haven't seen yet Because we've only seen a very limited area,
0: and we've only seen a few variants of our own in the US. Let's say in these shows, it's up for grabs. But if you want to talk greater context, I'm starting to think, but again, I'm not sold too much on this theory. Is that maybe the for my cup of tea? I feel like the burners may have been some sort of experiment gone wrong in trying to eliminate. And the reason for that is partially because of what we see in this episode, Genet's group Pouvoir des Vivants, which. Codron is an ancillary member of, we should bring that up as well. They're experimenting on this walker in this episode. It gets very aggressive and then dies. It just like, it just oozes. It explodes.
1: Very strong.
0: Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very strong, very right, aggressive, very fast. strong. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you think to yourself, okay, on first watch, I was thinking, oh, they're trying to make them stronger. And then on second watch, I'm thinking to myself, wait, no, it's quite possible that they're pushing through their enhanced attributes in order to end them sooner. Because it's quite possible that what they're trying to do is accelerate their demise, let's say.
2: That's what I felt like it was. They were trying right. to kill it in a way that didn't involve interacting with it.
1: Right. That's what I thought, too, that they were trying to figure out a way to make it die faster. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have to... Right.
0: Hence the reason why they were trying to do it on the boat, right? But our whole thing about the boat was that they did it so that they can limit the casualties and collateral damage. But Daryl ended up ruining that as well. So... It's good that we all agree that that may have been the case. I'm just thinking that the burners on the, on a side note could have been one of those things. And I'm basing this a little bit, not just off of what we see in this episode, but also in The Walking Dead World Beyond in the very last episode. And even some of the preceding episodes about fungus that Hope brings up in T. Brooks Alex's class at the end, mm. she mentions it there. And in the very last episode, it seems like they're making progress in terms of work in order to curtail or further reduce the walker population. It seems like whatever they're doing may be working. They're doing some science. And so I thought maybe that Janae and her group, because they were formed since the fall, so maybe they've gotten ahead of this thing, that maybe this was their first attempt. That maybe they were trying to disintegrate the walkers from the inside, and instead they kept the disintegration thing as an attribute. And maybe they're just like walking all over the place, disintegrating things left and right as they bleed or ooze or whatever.
2: I thought it was really interesting to see I don't know. It was almost like stop motion the way that it stood up and you lurched forward.
0: The I, one that dropped from the from the. Yeah, like, I from don't know. It,
2: I mean, I'm sure building. it was CG, but it looked really stop motion to me. It, the jerky movement
0: because well, it's also it's movements where like it's all the bones are kind of yeah, cracking it was, back like, to really place weird. too. When one of
1: them fell, I swear for a second it looked like it was bad editing. Okay, because I was like thinking they that it stopped right before they hit the ground and then went down. I don't know. It just I was like, wait, that's weird looking. <laughs> it just struck me as weird. I don't think it was anything they were trying to do to say walker wise. I think it was just a a small mistake. It just. Zzz-
0: Boom! Like, this was weird. <laughs> well, it could also be the CG trying to interact with the physical environment too. So it's hard to kind of match yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, that,
1: again, right? this, was, this wasn't really a complaint. It was just something I noticed. Like, so that you notice, little, Yeah, that was a lot.
0: Let me read what Takir says. The fact that we have never seen them anywhere else is what makes me feel like they didn't occur. naturally They didn't occur naturally. When you put all the shows together, we have covered a good portion of the USA. I think we should have seen at least a couple of burners by now. Is what she thinks.
2: We're missing, like, a huge chunk of the Midwest,
0: though. And even Texas, in some senses. Maybe, Just after maybe, the maybe it's
1: bread-related, explosion. like, cordyceps. Like, maybe the people that ate baguettes.
2: Substrate! into burgers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Too much bread in the diet. Or maybe the butter. Too much French butter. A pet du beurre. Let's talk about the beginning, what Please. we originally wanted to talk about, which was Please. the musician... Let's keep in mind that this was the detour that Isabel wanted to take to not go to Paris. Like, okay, let's just go around Paris and finish our journey, let's say. And on the way, of course, Isabel wants to acquiesce to Daryl by getting a radio and so that he could go home. On the way, obviously, the first place they meet, they visit is this musician. And I'm just going (laughs) to say he's pretty nuts.
2: (laughs) The title of the episode being Paris Will Always Be Paris. That's the name of a song by Maurice. I'm going to butcher this. last. Chevalier? Yes, okay. Chevalier. This ties in in a minute. Anyway, the song is just about like, no matter what happens, Paris will remain and stand strong, which is obviously a theme throughout this. The Eiffel Tower is still standing, even though it was hit by a helicopter. The catacombs, you know, Valu talks about how Paris is still, we're still here even though we've experienced all of these apocalypses in terms of this guy who we don't have a name for as far as I'm aware of the conductor, I guess is what I will call him. the conductor. conductor. He reminds me of the clown in twisted metal (laughs)
0: because of his hair too. I mean, it doesn't hurt. I mean,
2: (laughs) not really for that reason, but just like this, this it's a trope. This is again, this is another trope. This is okay. I'm not mad about tropes. I'm not mad about this at all. A mentally unwell person completely devolving succumbed by like the art or like the passion that they have so similar to what we saw in dead city when we see that like weird art installation in that warehouse that negan and armstrong yes thank you
0: right armstrong which reminded me of meow wolf
2: yes 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 yes. so there's that really weird art installation that's like dead people and bones and Mm -hmm. um it's really interesting. And but the doll.
0: Oh, okay. yeah.
2: But it's like, it's very much someone like slowly succumbing to like
0: their passion,
2: their passion, saying? but to the outside world, it looks insane. This also reminds me of I'd never watched it before. I know. Shame on me. But Travis just had me watch Amadeus not that long ago very much the same thing, right?
1: Like That was what I thought too, Amadeus. Succumbing yeah. to your
2: passion, succumbing to your art. How truly European is like that thought? Like that is just like, you know what I mean? There's all these stories of like mad artists and mental illness and like creativity tend to kind of flow in the same vein. You know, right. you'll often hear from people with Bipolar disorder. That she, when she
0: points to herself.
2: <laughs> that when you're the audio podcast. <laughs> when you are medicated, you lose like the ability to create in some way. Or at least
0: your passion. Your passion diminishes as yeah, well. It's your motivation. Like you, you.
2: It's like yes, you have all of these low times, but then you have this period of mania where you're just like so able to create and like and like even in your depression you create sad songs or or art that reflects like the sadness that you feel and it's like this whole concept and you have that, to
0: too you're you're almost as a calling that's yes. just pushing you forward yeah. some people used to call it the uh the the message of god i think it was mm.
2: How interesting that that ends up being in this, but that is a trope, but I wasn't mad about it. It was really interesting to see. And I liked that it gave us this snapshot. Again, I enjoy these snapshots of other people. Mm -hmm. I enjoy seeing what else is happening in the world. It
1: made me think of Princess, because when we first met Princess, she had all of the
0: Juanita
2: Sanchez,
1: the scenes set up in in her little area. Her little
0: vignettes that she created. Right. Yeah. Interesting. There was also
1: a uh, Silence of the Lambs shout out. I don't know if anybody caught it. In that scene? In that scene. If you look in the background, there's a body that is hung up and flayed and the arms are out like this. In the orchestra. In the orchestra. And if you remember in Silence of the Lambs, when he killed the policemen that were keeping him prisoner, he flayed one of them and hung him up from the from the rafters. Yeah. And you can see that one in the back. If you if you look really close,
0: you'll see it hanging up in the back. Mm. That's pretty disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Methinks that one might have been alive <laughs> before.
2: He was
1: very creative. He was very creative.
0: My favorite his, part um... was
2: the head with the harp. Yes.
0: Right, <laughs> hanging <laughs> upside down little from little. the neck. From the neck hole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, just like drums. that the mouth. Was the, like the timpani, the
1: timpani symbol guy that had the pole sticking out, and when he turned, it would hit the
0: drums. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> with the, the guys with the big that taped had the up horns, hands?
1: the horns stuck down in their chest, and they were like sitting on top of stools or whatever, with like, their
0: jaws missing. But, yeah,
1: yeah, and they were just like, "I uh, had the horn come out." That dude was very <laughs> creative with his, um, aka his, N- um,
0: Greg Nicotero in KNBFX. Yeah. <laughs> 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 really, what gives you a little insight into? This guy's madness, the composer's madness, was. Uh,
2: the conductor, the Dave, were... it's not his composition. Condu-
0: conduct, well, conductor, you're right. Is the composer Ravel, Maurice Ravel, who created the Bolero, is one of his last pieces, is one of the most famous pieces, too. Yes. That's what they played in 10 when Bo Derek was running down the beach. <laughs> that's every time I hear it, that's what I think of. Yeah. Well, and you're probably hearing the version that went over very well in the US, which was conducted by Arturo Toscanini. Until then, it was very reviled in France. And there were many reasons surrounding it, some, some of them political, some of them copyright. Some of them, what they were trying to do is bring Spanish music to, or Spanish type of music to France. Regardless, rather than wanting to inspire dancing Maurice Ravel, he intended for his work to be played in an open air setting with a factory in the background. His thinking was that there needed to be a little bit of chaos as well. His excuse was reflecting the mechanical nature of music.
2: That's what it was. I mean, it's orchestrated music. It all is right. a function. It's like that movie Dancer in the Dark by Bjork.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, well, she's in it, but it was by, I forget well, what his name the is. composition French is guy. hers.
2: There's a, a factory scene in it. That's what, when I read that portion that he intended it to be factory, but often it was used for a ballet instead. And they made it be like, A happy like dancing thing like a woman was dancing on a table and he's like that's dumb that's not what i want
0: not what he wanted (laughs) Um, as the story goes though like in the premiere of the and you probably know this too because you read it in the premiere of this piece the first time it was ever heard a woman comes she stands up and shouts at ravel calling him mad but his response to this his remark to this was yes then you get it you understand the music
2: he wasn't there when that happened he was told he that there? after the fact. Oh, so okay. So she okay. she Thank hears you. it. This is the thing. The piece became popular and he's like, I don't understand why this is popular. I didn't think people were going to like this. Well, not initially. So in in Europe, people didn't get it. But when they brought it to the New York Philharmonic,
0: that's when it exploded. And the reason for that was, was Toscanini. It's because he increased the tempo so it was a little bit more... I don't mm. know about jaunty, but it was a more passionate. People get, got understood it after so, that.
2: So, yeah. So she's there. Which is
0: which is interesting because Daryl's from America and, you know, this European yeah. theme in America worked for some reason where it didn't work initially, at least in Europe.
2: I just thought it was cool that, yeah, so she was there and she yells this. And so people mm. tell him after the fact, you know, because you're not going to be at every single place that's playing your composition. Like, it's not right, possible. Right. And, yeah, he does say she understood the piece, which is just like one this is pretentious. What else are you supposed to say in that situation?
0: But is it pretentious, or is it that idea of passions and insanity kind of go hand Dave, in hand? It's a
2: pretty pret- it's a pretentious thing to say. Well, what else are you supposed to say to that when someone says that they hear your music and they say that you're insane? Oh no, that's intentional. Of course, you're gonna be like, yeah. Yeah. yes, she's the only one who truly understood. So, <laughs>
0: so you're saying he's like Pee Wee Herman? He's like, I meant to do that. Rest in peace,
2: Paul, yeah, I know. Paul Sorry. Rubens. Yeah. Anyone who's created anything knows that you always have to like come up with the line that like makes it look like I don't care that that's what you think about it.
0: You know what? It, it's like the classic drama of the gifted child. You either become grandiose or you, com- you become depressed. And so he chose the former, which most talented, creative people do. And, and like I was saying before, out of necessity, out of compulsion, yeah, out of a message from God, you, you just have to be that way or else you just succumb.
2: Well, the reason I wanted to bring up the Paris will always be Paris thing is that I thought it was interesting that they picked two pieces of music by a man named Maurice.
0: <laughs> you weirdo.
1: If you would like to see a movie that kind of gives you what's going on in the composer's head and heart, there's a movie about Beethoven and um, it tells like some of his backstory and stuff like that. But at the end, he's premiering a symphony You're seeing what's going on in his head. It's just, it's beautiful. Let me look it up real quick.
0: In the beginning, the conductor says some interesting things when they're trying to talk to Daryl and Isabel. He says, where is Brian? You think it's a throwaway throwaway line. The where is Brian shtick is how kids in France learned how to speak English. Where is Brian? He's in the kitchen. Where is Brian? He's on the grass. Yeah, I didn't get that. See, he was illustrating, yeah,
1: I can speak yeah, English too. I figured too. it was something like that. I was thinking, donde uh, este el biblioteca?
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> right. I mean, I figured yeah. it was with the like, Brian is the, in the sky library. is blue, <laughs> the grass is green. Yeah. Like that, I figured yeah.
0: was... Right. To take it even further, how crazy this Brian character is in all the te- the children's teachings for decades. There's a comedian called, and you may have heard of him, his name is Gad Elmaleh. He's a French comedian who does his act in English, and uh, he's actually a Sephardic Jew. So his routine goes as follows, I'm saying it in English, because I know a little English too. I learned English in school when I was little, like all of you. We all had the same dumb class with that famous existential question that you just had to find an answer to. Where is Brian? Everybody laughs. Don't laugh. Stop. Stop laughing. Brian (laughs) Brian traumatized all of you as well. You didn't know who Brian was. You didn't care, but you had to find out where he was in the house in order to learn English. That was it. You had to find the members of Brian's family in order to learn English. And what happened? where is Brian? And like an idiot, you calmly responded, Brian is in the kitchen. So this is like a great French routine that's French specific. It's so well known that people know about it. And he, and every now and again, in this specific routine, he would yell out, where is Brian? Brian, in the kitchen. It's kind of like, where is Spot in the US? See Spot Run.
1: The Dick and Jane books, yeah. right? Yeah. The movie I was talking about was called Immortal Beloved. Oh, Immortal yeah, That's what it was. It's got, um, Isabelle Rossellini is in it and Jerome Crabe and Gary Oldman. Excellent, excellent movie.
0: Isabella Rossellini.
1: I like how they framed the gargoyle in the opening shot. When they're going through the city at the very beginning, you can see the gargoyle framed I in thought the for shot. a second,
0: isn't that a little bit foreshadowing, too? <laughs> it's like a, yeah, dude, this is some chaos over here. Just maybe not. <laughs> I'm just going to watch it from out here. I'm good. I can hear it just fine from out here. Okay, so outside they they say this and leave the conductor to his business. But of course it draws walkers. And one of the first things that we see is Sylvie squaring up to shoot a very strange walker that is dragging a corpse behind it with handcuffs.
2: Do you remember how when we were covering (laughs) fear, this Uh first part of the last season that I said that something happened like a couple episodes in that made Shrike and her brother seem younger somehow.
0: hmm The clothes?
2: Sylvie seemed younger to me in this episode. When we first meet her, all we know is that she's a nun, and she, like, shanks that guy repeatedly. And now, she seemed almost, like, not as exposed Meek. to this part of the world behind the walls of the... Abbey. Abbey, she was safe. Right. But- well, there's
0: a discrepancy. In the first episode, like, here would probably say... Oh, Sylvie's a badass. And then when you see the scene, you're like, oh, is she, is she a badass? Does she, have, does she have a problem killing walkers over people? You Which hit is right weird on the
1: head, Bridget, because since the beginning, she's been ensconced behind the walls of the Abbey. And she hasn't had to deal with the big open world. So now that they have her out in the big open world, not in the small enclosed world of the Abbey, she is lost and small because she's this is totally new to her. I'm sure that they rarely rarely went out by us, out of the walls except when they had. David.
2: Yeah. She is still young, too, arguably. You know, she's 19 or 20. 19,
0: yeah, 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah. The actor's 19 herself. Or as of the filming, she might have been 18.
2: And she's lived a, a pretty sheltered life, too, as is kind of. There is that discrepancy in your
0: brain that says, hey, she had no problem or no hesitation shanking a dude. She and had to do she what she
1: can't... had to do. But it, it just made. But it... She's been conditioned. Fight or flight, keeping... you're saying? by keeping father father gene and p- perhaps even lily they've been conditioned to not kill walkers
0: that's mm. the only takeaway that i have in my brain is that that's true they to dovetail with the idea that they haven't been too much outside of walls they've kept the dead alive and maybe like we said in the last episode there may be a, a spiritual component how they view the zombie apocalypse
2: that's dead on charity because isabel doesn't want to kill amy either. Mm, There you go. So that is, you're right. You're right. Thank you for saying that. Cause that does kind of adjust some stuff in my head then because Sylvie gives Daryl look like she's uncomfortable with the gun, which surprised me, but it wasn't that she was uncomfortable with the gun. It's that she's uncomfortable protecting the horse by killing people. Now they're not actually people.
1: But killing a person who has control of their faculties and is willingly attacking you is different from someone who is sick and doesn't know what they're doing, trying to attack you. Right. They can see the difference, which I mean, we know they're incorrect. As far as maybe they're not, I don't know. I'm not judging, but anyway, <laughs> yes, you are. It's fine. Yeah. I'm not. I didn't mean to.
0: I didn't mean. to. Anyway. <laughs> no, but we all are. Stupid though. In Americans. Our hands, we're doing. You can I'm have two. An, th- I'm an American, <laughs> <laughs> but we can have two thoughts, right? We can we can say, well, we know that this isn't the case but they know. And you're trying to be respectful to that right. belief, let's say. But you're what you're saying is, I'm going to say this, I saw The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe last night, mm. and it's similar to that feeling that, okay, well, if I harm the child who isn't responsible for his actions right now, well, I'm inadvertently harming an innocent bystander that is being controlled by whatever, let's say. And so it's not their fault. So what do I do here?
1: You wouldn't kill someone who you see as possessed. You would try to- You're
0: trying to help them. Oh, we're making one, we're forgetting one important piece. Very important piece, hitting on what you said about Père Jean. But what if I kill this person and Laurent lifts this curse? I've just killed someone Mm -hmm. who would have been lifted from this curse
2: eventually. That's the missing piece. Which is why they kept Père Jean alive this whole time. And not even that, everyone who watches this show, I've heard this a bajillion times. So not Daryl Dixon, but just like the Walking Dead universe in general, always says there's no way that the zombie apocalypse would ever happen that quickly. There's no way that would ever happen. Which one, y'all gave each other COVID like so quickly. So shut up, you're idiots. Two, the fact of the matter is, (laughs) as far as you know, that's still your mom.
3: Yeah. You're
2: just you just going to murk her? No, because you think that somebody somewhere is going to be able to save her. I'm rewatching the webisode series for some YouTube videos that I'm putting out. The early ones? Yes, all of them. I'm going to redo all of them. But in the very first one in Torn Apart, there's a woman who she walks up to a car that is stopped. The door is open. The driver is unconscious on the ground, you assume, because that would be your assumption. And right. she walks over and tries to give her CPR and the woman <sighs> wakes up and bites her lip off. The face off, yeah. So obviously. Well, going back though, so that first of all, that's that's great, but
0: we have to be specific. I think we all kind of agree that in her mind, if this thing lifts with Laurent's messiah powers, let's say, eventually, then she's just killed a person, according to her
2: and her beliefs. Yes. No, I get that. I guess and that.
0: that's what we're supposed to be, that's supposed to be the takeaway from this interaction. Because it's not Aimee, right? And it's not Lily. It's not these people that... She, this is a random per, random walker, let's say. Yeah. She just has no connection to them.
1: They have the luxury of being able to believe that because they're not constantly under attack. Safe behind the walls of the Abbey, they've only got one or two maybe walkers. Lily to and Pellejean for sure. And they don't constantly have to be fighting them and killing them in order to survive themselves. So they have the ability to have the luxury To say, we can keep these lost souls or whatever around. But if you're like our people were out in the open with no way to hide, you have to kill or you're dead. That's also a difference in their psychologies and the way they're thinking about things. Because had they been out in the real world for any amount of time and had to kill to survive, they might have a
0: different outlook. It was the same thing with
2: Herschel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he was far What, what was the second out? season all about? Yeah.
0: It, isn't, it, isn't it interesting to see that dovetail, Rick respecting Herschel's wishes. And even in this episode, maybe because he's really good at killing walkers, Daryl, in the end, knowing that this walker could be a threat, this Aimee walker, which by the way, we have to say, we were spot on in the last episode that we would eventually see Aimee, the walker Aimee. I was in disbelief that this was the same exact person. She's in the same exact outfit, which tells you that she bit it that first outbreak in the courtyard waiting for her parents in the safety of the atrium. So rip Aimee, just wanted to say that. it was. It's a very sad thought. Second is he respects Isabel's wishes and doesn't kill Aimee, even though it goes against every instinct that he has. And maybe it's because he has the luxury of his expertise, let's say. We can we can go that far into saying that, but it's also maybe there's a value to it. Maybe he's learning there's a value to to Even though in my head I'm screaming, you're doing her a kindness by putting her down. He still respects Isabel's wishes. Where, as before in Madame Dubois, uh, not Madame Dubois, sorry, Julien, Daryl does take him out to allow him to rest in peace. Just very, It's just an interesting thought that we're thinking right now. And it does kind of go back to the idea of the spirituality and taking on burdens and accepting burdens and individuality and existentialism where you're, it's the way you, you choose your suffering and you decide how you want to go out.
1: The kids that they stayed with had no qualms whatsoever about taking out. Walkers, but that's because they've been living among them. They have to in order to
0: survive. Right. Your spirituality changes a little bit. It's <laughs> been outside the walls well, I mean, of an abbey.
2: You well, gotta I mean, do what you gotta do. I'm a Christian. I'd be putting down walkers if it meant that I was living, you know? You have to adapt. I can't say that I wouldn't be inclined to do something like Sadiq, the concept of releasing them from the prison when that they're trapped in. Him. Now, I don't really believe yeah. that because I believe that once you die, you're gone. But that tradition of like laying people to rest.
0: Yeah. Well, and it follows even the Jewish tradition where once you die, you you have 24 hours to put them in the ground because that's what was once a spirit in a body, something that is inherently holy. Even the vessel itself has that residue of, of your spirit, your soul, let's say. And so that too has to be treated with respect and put in the ground right away, not to be out in the open where it can be devoured by carrion, Let's say (laughs) bring up that trope, that little nugget and morsel or on earth and and where the pieces of your body could be defiled. Let's say
1: you don't want to watch someone you love turn into something, a monster anyway.
0: Along with that. Yeah, exactly. And in walking and in walking among the living, it's a walking desecration. What was once a body that was used to, to perform good deeds. It's kind of like the reverse of uh, what Michonne would say and even Rick about being alive the value of being alive even if you've done wrong well you have a chance to do good it's the exact opposite the walkers all they do is it's id it's i need to feed i need to feed now i mm-hmm. don't care about my limbs what that were once a holy vessel for something else you know it's defiling it just to get that food it's it's the essence of, of id it's i want and it's it's walking around and causing destruction so it's a, it's walking defilement
1: but does that change when you use those for something good. So let's let's take example. <laughs>
0: like a cart? Like an horse? Well,
1: I was thinking more like when they used them on the donkey wheel in fear.
0: Right, to get right. the oil from the ground, right?
1: They were using them to mm. create the power to create the gasoline, which they then used to go out and help people. So does that change what they are?
2: There is some scientific basis to that in this universe because if we look back to Michonne's initial story arc, when she meets the governor and Milton looks at the walkers that she had, when he assesses them, he says, interesting, she cut off their arms and she removed their lower jaws and teeth. And they become docile. And they became docile. So they do almost become not themselves once losing that is what we're like led to believe. He said
1: they they lose their feeding drive or something like that. Which is
2: interesting. Yeah. So I guess technically, yes, they could be used for good eventually. But
0: if you want to use a spiritual component, there is a group in the Bible, and it's a very amorphous, non-ethnic group of people in the Bible that you're told to destroy. The whole thing is about hate and destruction. I forget what they're called. We say this a lot in Purim. And also in some Torah portions, and they're called I can't remember the name. I'll put it in the blog or something like that. But they are inherently this way. It's the same and it's the same thing for the walkers. The walkers are inherently, they're built, they're made. Their whole existence, the raison d'etre is to consume by any means necessary to get to that food. And that food is humans and maybe other living beings. But to use it as something else, it's kind of like anything, right? We think that we have such supremacy on Earth. We think that we can tame the beasts, But eventually one false move in the in and that thing that you were trying to use it for ends up being your demise. One well, case in point, the Cro- the Cro- was using it for fu- for fuel and the whole place exploded just to get at one guy. And who cares who died along the way? And the fuel is going to end up being their demise because another group wants that fuel and it's all based on the fact that we use this these this pit of walkers, this utility that we've discovered. It's just an interesting thought experiment that you can run through and realize, "Oh, it All roads lead back to these things are dangerous and not just a prop and they're inherently dangerous and you shouldn't mess with them. You shouldn't mess with them. Let's be orthodox about this.
1: I love that they went back to Isabel's apartment and she took a picture of Lily to give to Laurent, just like Carl took the picture of Lori to give to Judith.
2: I do love that. Mm. I I really quick want to talk about the walkers that were handcuffed together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Going back to Sylvie.
0: What was up with that? See, I was thinking that too. <laughs> it
2: really bothered it first- me. It reminded me of the chains of the experiment. Expand. Well, we or, see or, or, the walkers chained up. Oh. That's what it At reminded the end of me the episode. of. Yeah, because okay. they zoom okay. in on the chains, which I thought was weird. And they also zoomed in on the chain, those two people together. So clearly we were meant to see it. But I wasn't sure if it was just like a, yeah, this is just like a weird thing we're showing you. <laughs> or-
1: <laughs> well, i I thought a it was either one of the conductors escaped attempts to put them in the symphony like somehow they got away or <laughs> oh, something. Okay. Oh, maybe or okay. or it was just another instance like Maggie finding the tied up walker in the trunk or Maggie telling the story about the no arm no leg no eye baby factories
0: zombie baby for, it's just it's just whatever. another
1: example of the horrible shit people do to each other when they when they can you know, like it's there's no thing to stop them so just a little snapshot this is the kind of horrible shit people do to each other i don't know if it was meant to be anything in particular right
0: I And mean, because at first I, I was looking at that scene i was thinking is that why she's hesitating and then it this conversation makes me think otherwise that oh this is she's just not killing the dead because oh what if the curse lifts that's what i end up thinking you're right i don't think it's anything of any significance okay Although, wouldn't that be cool if we got a story? Oh, these two were trying to run away. One of them dies. The other one dies from starvation. Watch it or be a Tales like
2: episode. Just kidding. They're never well, going to put great? that
0: out again. Yeah, wouldn't that be great, though? There's a story there. There could be a story there. That- I think it was just,
1: I'll be Because they look like sign- shackles.
0: They look like old shackles, too, yeah. by the way. Didn't they? That's that's the thing that gets you like, okay, it would be fine if there were police handcuffs. But these are like Revolutionary weird. War shackles. They were ready it's for it's the guillotine. It's what made me think of the experiments. Double I was like, guillotine. I
2: mean...
1: They're using old muskets and shit. (laughs) Apparently, you can just pick up old shackles anywhere in Paris. Maybe. Which
0: is to say, okay, the the most we can get out of this is that this was definitely post-apocalypse.
1: Quinn had all the art and and antiques and Mm -hmm. all all that stuff down in his little basement. So Mm. who's to say somebody didn't pluck up some antique chains and slap them on somebody? One of the terrible things people do to each other.
0: Even in the town of Angers, anger. Oh, the apartment scene. Interestingly enough, the book that Daryl plucks the photo f- strip of Isabel and Quinn is Arthur Rimbaud's Poésie Complète, which is Complete Poems. So Rimbaud's Complete Poems. I thought it was kind of interesting because the actress's name is Clément's Poésie as well. Pose oftenly referred to. Page 23 is just a note to the editor. I actually looked at the actual page. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Nothing of any importance.
2: I loved that he didn't actually open the book to know what page she was on. Right. He just, I I was like, he just said that number. He just he just
1: pulled the strip out. He didn't even
0: look yeah.
2: to see where it was. So that was kind of funny to me. The book wasn't
0: entirely in the frame anyway, for most of, for some of it well, too. No, so like I, when I
2: rewatched it, he's holding the book. He just pulls it out and then puts it down and says, you were on page 23. And so I was like, he didn't open that book.
1: He's a savant like Rain Man. That's that's why he doesn't talk. We figured He's it out. He's picking up below like, powers.
0: That's what like it is. He
1: just, He's a miracle. He just, he just counted the pages by looking at them. Just like Dustin Hoffman counted the toothpicks.
2: I felt like it was, <laughs> I don't care what page you were on and you're not going to freaking remember anyway. So 23. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, he could have just picked a random number. Sure. Uh, why yeah. Not?
0: 20, 23 and me. She was never going to finish reading that book of poems. That's the
2: thing. It's like, well, who cares anymore anyway? So it was more just like, oh, I stumbled upon (laughs) this intimate memory of yours. Um, You were on page 23. I was just looking at the book. (laughs) I wasn't like investigating these photos.
1: (laughs) He was like, so you like dudes with long
2: hair, huh? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't want it. I don't want it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Although, let's keep going with this for one second,
2: because he's... <sighs> They're acting like teenagers. It's so... Yeah. Gross. I was getting some Han and Leia vibes going on It's just there like, the, in the... it's very much like this whole, both of them are so easily offended by what the other person is saying, so it reminds me so much of, like, <laughs> a teenage relationship where, like, you're just so desperate for the drama. Like, the drama is what makes your relationship worthwhile. The more angry I, I am, like, the better it is to, like, forgive you later. Like, it's just weird. The whole thing in the in the bed with the last episode where she's like, oh, You're still going? Yes. He, yes. He doesn't know you. And he literally just showed up in France. Like, yeah, he still like misses his family. Oh no. Oh, he met you and you're the French love of his life. And he's just going to leave everything behind. Like, it's so stupid. And then this was one of those instances where I'm like, why are you jealous? Like one, this happened 12 years ago. You don't even know... This guy could be dead. Like, what do you care?
0: Wait, you're saying, Daryl is jealous, or it what? It seemed you
2: like it. I was like, yeah. ew, gross. See, that's what
0: I was trying to push you guys to say. I didn't like it because he's like he's being very considerate of her feelings or something I don't with regards to the page gross. number. But you could look at it a different way because, I mean, as does you were talking, the as you were talking about the drama, <laughs> oh man, as you were talking about the drama aspect, well, doesn't that sound a little bit less like a uh, I'm jealous? Uh, no. Doesn't it sound a little bit more like brothers and sisters squabbling in the end?
2: Yeah, I mean, or are I you could... saying
1: she's the new Carol? Uh, <laughs> less,
0: ca-
2: less, Carol <laughs> less Carol, less Carol, more Carol's
0: like there was always a bit of a firewall between Carol and Daryl, even though there's she's love. Like the obviously. She's like the
1: opposite Carol.
2: See, to me, right. Carol and Daryl were always one better off as friends have you ever had a friend that you've had like a really big crush on for a little while and then it like subsides and, but you're like still Ooh. friends, but you've like seen yeah. too much now. So you can never go back to that point. Something That's how a I lot, feel yeah. like they are. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, like maybe you can't there was something there
0: first. And, but yeah, it's, it's like, no, much you're time too has gross gone by and, to
2: me now for some reason. I've seen your yeah. feet.
0: That whole yeah, 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 anyway. yeah.
2: So- Um, but takira is saying let's get the
0: romance done first and then i'll see your feet and i'll be like okay well we're stuck with each other takira
2: says i think he's just annoyed he's sick of her lies i think, which that's that's fair because she daryl we know your backstory it hasn't always been sunshine and you were not a great person self-admittedly before the fall
0: didn't do a lot of thinking
2: why are you like throwing mad shade at her for having drugs in that box? (laughs) He was like, "Mm." she's like, I wasn't always a nun. I see that.
1: She's like, I wasn't always a nun. And he's like,
2: it's so, it's such a bitchy thing to say. He's like, I see that. Like, it's so bitchy. Like, just why? You literally had a bag of pills and blue meth? Like, not that long ago, bro.
0: (laughs) I'm just taking this all in because... I feel like when he sees this, I think it's less about her than it is about him. Because she said something oh, to the effect yeah, maybe. of, "I wasn't always a nun." In the first episode, she saw the scars. She said
2: something to the effect
0: of, "I wasn't I wasn't always a nun." Or
1: yeah, but being told try. you weren't always a nun and seeing the proof of it. Well, right nobody comes of out of, of the womb
2: like-, like a nun. Like anybody, <laughs> any nun can say that.
0: Uh, Laurent. Anyway, so <laughs> they don't
2: come out and they're kidding. like, oh. Oh, she came out with a mini habit on. She's, she's born a nun. <laughs> um,
0: well, Jesus. Okay. So anyway, you <laughs> didn't teleport out of Mary's womb. Anyway, so going back to that look, though, <laughs> I had written down. I had written down that I think what Isabel says about Daryl might be true is that he's always thinking and that there must be a reason he's been thinking all this time. There must be a reason why she doesn't want to go to Paris. And maybe, yes, it has a. A lot to do with the frustrations about him just saying it. Just come out and say it, Isabel. Say it. What is it? And respecting the fact that he doesn't want to push her to say it. He's like, or doesn't care enough. Until he sees the pills. And he's thinking, in my pursuit of the radio, let's say, or whatever. Because this is just after he visited Falou and insisted again and again and again, three times for a radio throughout this episode so far.
2: What do you mean? He sees the pills. He gives him an answer. Paris is crying.
0: (laughs) Paris is crying. (laughs) You hear that? (laughs) Another crazy person. Barry's crying.
2: He just what? wants a radio, bro.
1: I bet Daryl wishes he'd paid more attention to Eugene's radio setup. Now he's
2: <laughs> like, "Oh
0: man." Well, and the next scene, he has like a beautiful mind face, but he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> anyway, so going back to this, look, I think he's thinking to himself. Finally, wait, am am I pushing her into a situation that she didn't want to confront? That's what I'm thinking. He's thinking in that moment less of that whole bitchy judgmental thing, okay, and more of a. I'm starting to understand without her telling me I wish she would.
2: Well, that makes why sense. Why she didn't want to come back. Because he gets so, yeah, when they're at the club and Quinn confronts her and she's like, I can Having handle seen it. the photo of
0: Quinn. Yeah, I can handle way. it.
2: And and he's like, no, let's just go. Like nothing, no boat's worth this. Like nothing is not not worth this. it.
0: No. Yeah. And that dovetails. I just want to drop this one thing that dovetails very nicely with what he knows about Carol in that. Maybe all the things we said in the last episode about Quina are true, and that he's a pimp and she lived the life and in the process got her sister pregnant, but- I Literally all of all those things p- are true. <laughs> Wait, there is an alternative explanation, and that's, well, maybe he this was her boyfriend. Maybe she slit her wrist to escape that boyfriend. He fished her out of the water, felt an enslaved to him almost- Throughout this time she had his her sister was having sex with him. And maybe this was an abusive boyfriend situation. Not only abusive, but literally, I'm controlling your life now because you step out of line. Those are the terms. Mm. That's what it takes to survive. I could see that. I could see that. He's gross. It's taking all the evidence, not just the the drugs and scamming and marks and stuff like that. It's taking in the slit wrist as well. Because he said specifically, I fished you out of that bathtub. Yeah. Why would this happen in their relationship? It's something to think about. And in seeing that, and maybe that's for all Daryl knows, that's what this is. This is a situation where he's saying these things, which reminds him of Carol and Ed, that whole situation, that the situation that he was first frustrated with. But then over time, of course, I'm sure he sees the residue of that and why Carol is the way she is. Mm. In seeing that, she realized this is this situation. I need to get her out of this. And this is kind of my fault a little bit, which is why he wants the jet after they come back. He's like, You know, I pushed you into a situation, and now I'm doing the classic Daryl thing of pulling away. I got to pull away so I don't put you in danger anymore.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. I could see I could see it playing out that way. I'm just not saying. I I mean, it's just time will tell. Like time will tell. only, but
0: yeah, I'm. But like, hey, are you not loving the the breadcrumbs and connecting these dots? It's like so satisfying in a sense, even if it's wrong. It's all starting to make sense a little bit more with every episode.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, it is like a mystery in a way, you know, where you're trying to piece together like what exactly is the plan here with this? (laughs) But I think so much of that has to do with the fact that everyone is like, they're going to get together. They're going to get together. And I'm like, why are y'all all all so thirsty all the time for Daryl to be banging somebody? It's like, calm down.
0: It's the same reason why we want to go to the last episode, Mork and Mindy. That's what people I mean, want. I get
2: it. People ship it's such a people, basic it's like it's function. such a thing. Like you, you ship it's people. It's
0: such a basic B thing. Yeah. Right? It's
2: fine. It's fine. It's fine. But in And we all have it in us too. We just don't oh, always yeah.
0: Adhe- yeah acknowledge it or adhere to it. I or, just don't
2: really do it know? with this genre for some for some reason as much. That's why I'm so ambivalent about it. If it happens, I could be on board. Yeah. I don't mind. I'm not opposed to it, but it needs to happen naturally. Like I don't want it to be like I don't know. And We're also forced. and then also like and then <laughs> well, No, like I don't want the writing to be for the
1: ship. Someone that you know, one of them's going to get ripped to pieces and turned into a zombie. Yeah, right. On that note,
0: I actually, in my first watch, I thought, "Wow, this could be the moment Isabelle bites it too." And I say this for two reasons: one, because of the situation, because everything started happening really, really fast after they came back from the club. Secondly, what you don't see in the title sequence, as Laurent and Daryl are looking at Mont Saint Michel, it's just Laurent and Daryl. So I thought maybe at some point, everybody kind of falls away and it's just those two. And now he's responsible. He's, mm. which is ironic. He's the one who feels responsible he doesn't, for this and
2: And it's not even his mission. Like he doesn't even believe right. the mission that he's on, but he would want right. to keep him safe.
0: Right. And, yeah. and some of the things that we said in the last episode are coming to fruition here. She says to him, your absence has to be explained now. It was one thing when you pushed for the radio and didn't know what you were asking for from me, which is my fault, Isabel. She doesn't really say this. She doubles down. She says, you don't really believe he's the Messiah. She should have said, <laughs> you know, my bad. I should have been more honest about why I didn't want to go to Paris. That's what she should have said. But instead, she w- went the no- neurotic route and said, you just don't believe he's the Messiah. You don't believe he's the one. But she does emphasize the fact that your absence is something that's going to be questioned. You're responsible because you are involved now. You can't uninvolve yourself like that just because you think you're leaving is going to keep us safe. That has to be explained, which is why Laurence says, I hate both of you. You for leaving after getting involved with me and and trying to not just save us or help us for being involved, for caring. And you for (laughs) lying all this time, Isabel. So it's really fascinating to see this from Laurence. But Laurence, he
2: is a regular kid. He's not just some holy dude. Yeah. But but he is pretty smart. He's emotionally intelligent. Incredibly. Just to see him interact with that woman, Sonia. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh you yeah. know so he going gonna gonna to lie. That had me tearing up. Really? It I teared did. up a little yeah, right there. Yeah. It was lie. impactful because yeah. like he's surrounded mm-hmm. by all of these people That's who are cool. giving him gifts. It was very religious in nature, very much so. But they're all giving their gifts. Like it's the wise men coming to visit Jesus. And then he's like and Twelve he, years
0: too late, but still. And he just
2: <laughs> well not 12 10. years yeah 10, yeah 10, exactly 10. um <laughs> or 15 and it is 12
0: and it was just anyway sorry, we're so, doing math now
2: he takes them and he doesn't even really look at what he's receiving he just says thank you
0: it felt a little weird that it was natural for him to just just readily accept these gifts i don't know if that's a me thing i wouldn't accept things right away
2: well for it's myself the polite thing to do it's definitely a me thing it's the polite thing to do
1: right refusing would have been rude
2: yeah so mm. it was, it, it manners-wise, I mean, and it, they made that very obvious. He was taught the proper right. etiquette would be to accept the gift. And so he does and says, thank you, and then moves on. So like, instead of being like, oh, you shouldn't have, that's a nice hospitality thing, but that's not proper right. etiquette.
1: It made me think of Harry Potter, the kid that didn't know he was special, showing up and all these people just being... All over him
2: yeah I, okay so
1: that that was the kind of vibe that i got from it yes he's told he's a little bit special but he doesn't really understand until he comes into contact with people that he hasn't met who think he's that special of course all the nuns that he's been with all these years think he's special love him but now he's getting that from other people and maybe and people it's helping him he's understand never met a little
2: bit. who have been telling to right. tell him we've been waiting for you like you have no idea how long we've been right, waiting right. for
0: you you were about to say something about Sonya.
2: It showed like at minimum, right? Because there's been some moments where like, what exactly is Laurent's deal? But <laughs> at minimum, he's got the emotional intelligence aspect down because he spans the area, sees this woman is by herself, can tell by the expression on her face that she's unhappy and rolls with that. Did either of you ever watch Lie to Me, the no. TV show? He
1: also said that in the first episode that he felt Things about people in his stomach, remember? So when he saw that woman, he just felt automatically that something was wrong. He's got some empath powers. Yeah,
2: I mean, I believe that empathy is a thing and I believe that you can have like the gift of, of empathy to truly feel what other people are feeling. Pick up on those cues at least. But if you watch the show Lie to Me, long since canceled, but so good. In it, the concept of like having been through trauma causes you to develop the ability to see people's emotions more clearly. I think sometimes is where we get this concept of like the power of empathy. I'm not talking like regular empathy, but I mean like supernatural empathy, the power of an empath. So I
0: figured that's where you're a lot going. <laughs> of
2: that a lot of that is from the exposure to trauma and like having to learn as a young child how to react to things. So in one of the first episodes, of Lie to Me, there's a main character that's introduced and she is a girl who works for TSA at an airport. She's able to pull out someone out of line. She was able to read a micro expression because that's what all of that show is about is like micro expressions and like the things that people try to hide. On their face.
0: Stuff that mentalists pick up on, She's able to
2: read it and pulls him out of line because, like, he's a threat. And he has, like, a weapon on him. Well, she gets tapped by this agency which is like where the lie to me thing story goes. But anyway, you come to find out that her father was a severe alcoholic and like that's why she developed that skill to be able to read anger and people's emotions really early in her years because she had to know whether or not he was going to hurt her. And so that's kind of what this reminded me of. Now, granted, he hasn't been exposed to that kind of trauma because he Mm -hmm. hasn't even really been in the world, but just being able to hone in on people's micro expressions and like the smallest things to be able to see what they're feeling
0: and maybe there's a half spiritual component maybe even half biological component uh, yeah in and what who isabel knows says, i mean i'm not about, trying
2: to debunk it it's just that i don't know where this is gonna go so i'm trying to see like all sides of it
0: no I'm, I'm just dovetailing on what you're saying though it's it's interesting because isabel says it was all horrible and we saw what it took to birth laurent so maybe there's a a weird inborn trauma that he's not aware of that allows him to do this. I'm not a biologist or an evolutionary biologist. I don't know how this, I don't know how this works, but maybe there's something, maybe there's something even narratively compelling about the concept of a child born out of severe distress, having this ability, let's say, whether you believe it or not.
2: The part of me that, you know, is hopeful constantly and has bigger beliefs, like wants to believe that there's the potential for this in this storyline. But at the same time, like I didn't want the cure, I certainly don't want it now. I already rooted for one kid's death. Like, please don't make me root for another. I just, I just, I don't, I don't want it. this kid seems so cool. (laughs) I don't want it. And so did Finch, but still. (laughs) Finch seemed cooler, honestly. Can we talk about Jim Morrison? Yeah, I wanted to go backwards anyway. It seems like that's what we're doing. We're all over the place anyway. This this. is my only friend. (laughs) That's not the song. It's the earworm.
0: People are strange. People
2: are strange.
0: Stop it. When you're a stranger. Stop it. No, you're just. What you're were ruining... we just talking
1: about? The Lost Boys. I'm editing
0: this out because it'll be in their heads. The audience will be like, "Bitch, why did you put that in my head?" See? People See, I'm exactly Never mind. I'm not editing it. Out. Anyway.
2: <laughs> One, I almost felt like this was written in because, like, Norman Reedus was like. I want to go check out Jim, no. Jim Morrison's Grave. No way. <laughs> just, no, no way. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have no... Jim Morrison's Grave. We have to put this in the show. <laughs>
1: well, like, they're all talking about these famous writers and philo- uh, philosophers poets.
2: He's like, hey, Jim Morrison. Poets. One and- <laughs> and- <laughs> right of which I, I definitely Radio do want to Rockstar. talk about. I'm just kidding because Norman Reed is predominantly listen- listens to punk, so I don't I don't know if he's under the doors or not, but Jim Morrison's Grave is in... Gay Perry, And I wanted to see.
1: Perle-chase. It's the Père Lachaise Cemetery. Yes.
2: I've read a lot about Jim Morrison over the years. I was telling Dave this before we started recording, but I got weirdly into like a biography phase in high school. It resulted in me reading many a biography about musicians. <laughs> anyway, I read a lot about Jim Morrison. I couldn't remember, though, why he was buried in Paris. So when they ask him and he's like, oh, he must die here. I was like, Yeah, Why is he there? I knew he was there because I remember I've seen the pictures of the grave. So I went and looked it up and he went to Paris to get clean again. (sighs) Now, Jim Morrison had a really rough time of it in terms of addiction. He struggled with both alcohol and and drugs and substance abuse very much so, including heroin. Apparently
0: halitosis.
2: And apparently halitosis from all (laughs) I read, including heroin. He wanted to get clean, so he went to Paris. He felt this was going to be the time that worked. There's a story that his friends have told that he visited this cemetery a couple days before he passed, and he walked around and he said, it was beautiful, and this is where I would like to be buried amongst all of these masters. He did then, quote unquote, mysteriously die shortly thereafter. I don't know how mysterious it actually was, but did end up being buried there now of course lots of people have traveled to this cemetery to see his grave obviously there's many other graves there but i love that the little shrine was there those roses were plastic i thought plastic okay i was like they were new I thought,
0: yeah, I thought initially, like, oh, somebody's been visiting this grave. But then I thought to myself, oh, they're probably classic. That makes more sense. Why
1: wouldn't they be? Because Falou is not a young man. There are obviously people still alive who are of that age in Paris. I'm sure there are rose bushes growing. Versailles had rose gardens. I'm sure there are rose bushes growing. It's a bit of a drive, though. I know what you mean, though. I know what you
2: mean. (laughs) It is literally steps away that they run into Falou and his people because the... Camera pans over and there's two dead bodies wrapped up mm-hmm. in plastic and like tarps or and cloth or whatever. And then that's where Flu is. And he's like, stop right there. That was my only thought was maybe they had placed the roses. On the, and then I was like, well, maybe there's other communities. And there was all this talk about there being like these communities of artists. And we've seen it in World Beyond that maybe there would be. Mm-hmm. In perimeter Colony, yeah. specifically. That maybe there yeah. would be people. To put roses on his grave. It did pan over the phrase that's on his tombstone. It's Greek. I will not say it because I will absolutely butcher the pronunciation. But this is what's on his headstone. The one who fights his own demons. An epitaph. Yes. I I mean, it's very, it's very, very, very touching for him because obviously that's what he was there doing was battling his own demons, trying to get clean.
0: And throughout his musical career, too. Wasn't it Riders on the Storm mm-hmm. about a car accident, I think it was, or something? Yes, yeah. A tragic car accident. It actually had
2: a lot to do with his drug addiction, from what I remember, was that mm-hmm. was kind of the catalyst for it. And just fighting against that
0: trauma, mm-hmm. let's say, or and things to do with Native America. It's, yeah. It's a whole thing, but yeah.
2: Now, during this time, there's a French version of People Are Strange playing in the background. And I just thought, oh, yeah, obviously this song... Because it's for Daryl. Da- it's Daryl. I mean,
1: people are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Mm-hmm. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. That sounds like Daryl to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it sounds like anyone. Because we were talking about the U.S. <laughs> cultures in the U.S. versus cultures abroad, let's say, from outside. We don't welcome people quite the as much as people outside the country do. And I can see that being uh, an interesting thing to explore when it comes to this song, that maybe everybody in their own way kind of looks ugly until you get to know them.
2: Well, yeah, but that's not really the point of this. No, no, of course not. It's that he's he's alien. He's an alien. That's what the whole point of this is. This is the one thing he's able to recognize. And it's someone who wrote a song about what it's like to be lonely and alone in a place that you don't recognize. Not
0: these uh, authors and poets and that they were rattling off before. the Cuz that's, the, that's the thing. That's the
2: thing. Like that would be recorded in history books. So this is like actively, you're just not focused on that aspect of it. Because who's Jim Morrison to you? Like who, who cares? But to an American who grew up during the time period in which Daryl grew up, 70s with Mork and Mindy, this was a part of his life. He grew up around this. He grew up with this music. I grew up in the 80s and 90s and I grew up with this music. To your point,
0: this is the one unstrange thing, and he's latching onto that.
2: No, but Jim Morrison, he's a rust.
0: But it's alien to everybody else. It's strange to everybody else. And like we all said, right? Fish out of water story. This is going to be running throughout the entire series. It has to. It's strange to us that he even ended up there to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to run with that and not be too critical. When cultures clash or concepts clash, existentialism versus cooperation, etc., or burdens from God, things like that. We have to accept that there's going to be some confrontation. I like the story that was La L'amour de Boucheron, Death in the Lumberjack, that uh, Laurent tells, Daryl was particularly telling because we all do this thing where like, kill me now, FML, this idea of FML, take me now. We do this, but of course we don't mean it. So when death finally comes, you're like, no, 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 no. Like, I just kidding. I just kidding. <laughs> it's just kidding. I saying. Just blowing off some steam. <laughs> yeah. God. It's an Aesop's fable that was adapted by Jean de la Fontaine. Anyway, so the whole point being that, and I write this later on in the episode, but isn't Isabel the lumberjack? She's ready to take on that burden that she took on for whatever reason. And now I miss the fact that while in the f- second episode where Isabel is with Lily and they're getting ready to have the child, I skipped right over the one part at where I heard Lily saying to Isabel, raise Laurent, basically. But be- just before that, she says, when our parents died, you stepped up. You took care of me. I thought I had this thought that came out of nowhere, but she says it literally. And when she was ready to take on the burden of doing what she felt she needed to do to save Daryl, I mean, of course, she's mad at him because he's trying to do the same with her. And at the same time, later on, tries to leave. Like, I don't need a hero, she says, right? Just after that part. But isn't she trying to do the same thing? Aren't you trying to be the hero accepting this burden? Because I'm used to it. I took on this bo- burden before being with him, or whatever the the relationship was, nebulous as it was. So all this to say, isn't Isabel the lumberjack? The lumberjack complaining about his burdens, but at the same time,
2: I yeah, for I death? didn't see it that way. But yeah, now that you say that, that does make more sense because obviously we're meant to think it's representative of Daryl because he says there's a woodsman, Daryl, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> dirty, filthy, <laughs> who you know in the woods. who just
2: like can't catch a break, Daryl. Daryl. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just like, I just want to be done.
0: But the defining quality of the lumberjack is always complaining. This is an elderly lumberjack too, mind you. He's lived all this life in toil, sometimes not had food on the table, sometimes enough funds to pay for taxes and wars and, and all this stuff. He mentioned this in the poem actually. And he's like, well, what pleasures have I taken in life? And that's what got me to think this isn't about Daryl. What pleasures have I taken in life? She's a nun. Mm-hmm. She's had to raise a kid. She's had to devote her life to God. I
2: would argue she had a little too much pleasure in her twenties. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what I was saying. She she had quite a bit of pleasure, I think. I
2: would but argue. Was
0: it? See, but that's the thing. Was it pleasure? Well,
2: no, she was miserable.
0: Even the temporary relief.
2: Well, it's with it comes consequences.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. It wasn't to enjoy the night. It was. It was a job. It was to get by. You know, what little reliefs that we get. So that's what made me think, okay, she is the lumberjack. She is the one who at some point complains that she wants in her head, probably because she doesn't tell anybody anything. I just want a little bit of release, a relief from these responsibilities, a little relief from those burdens. But as soon as the opportunity comes up again, she puts them on again for some reason. Lily, Laurent, God, <laughs> Daryl.
1: Because it's too. all she has left.
0: It's uh, it's what she's programmed to do. And I think maybe even Daryl is seeing the pattern And it all came from this guy, Quinn. That's my life. My life is to suffer burdens. Mm. uh, The biggest burden and being manipulated and controlled, let's say. So wouldn't it make sense in a sense when Daryl says, when people join a cause called Pouvoir des Vivants, he finally points out the logo and he says, that's that group. What are they about? Oh, they're, they came up during the fall. They wanted to, she boils it down to control, to establish order, let's say. And, uh, he retorts saying, uh, Oh, kind of like you joining up with God or something like that? Well,
2: she says people gravitate towards order. Right. And he right. says, or God. Yeah. Which admittedly I was like, slow up. But yeah, she says, yeah, up, or God. <laughs> slow up. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: he's not wrong. Many people do glom onto religion to get a sense of order in their lives or a sense of uh, like a path that they can walk. Well, yeah, because faith That's what offers I hope. Towards.
2: Dave, that's what Right. And that's the theme of and salvation,
0: apparently. But in that 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 very essence of hope and salvation, let's say, that's a leap of faith. That if I follow this path, if I walk this path, I'll be rewarded. But you have to believe in the reward to walk this path. Because it's not well, it's not saying it's a hard I don't want no,
2: I want to be clear about that because it's not the path that gets you there. Well, I mean, that is kind of Catholicism's root, like good works equals salvation. Ultimately, right, but that's not what I would say. It is salvation you didn't even earn. I don't do anything for it. I don't have to do anything. It's just given to me freely.
0: Oh, interesting. Christianity, uh, an interesting religion, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, we cannot earn our salvation by being good people or doing or doing We're anything. Given it. I'm giving. I'm giving it freely. It's been given to me. It's In been exchange given for to faith. Everyone, you believe or you don't. That's mm. the belief.
0: Riddle me this, Bridget. You as a Protestant offshoot let's say you don't believe in original sin
2: i do believe in original sin
0: yes oh you do okay yeah. okay because i thought that was born out of in at least catholicism is that no is they it, just become intertwined
2: and, they just become intertwined like i can understand how they reached that conclusion i get it
0: they just use different methods to dealing with it right so mm-hmm. catholicism has confession and yes and all these and you we know have, et cetera, we et cetera. can
2: have confession and absolution as well but it's just a man doesn't give it to me if that makes sense. And I know that that's not, that's not how it is in Catholicism either. It's just like, it becomes more about like the ritual of it, the ritual of like doing the rosary, the ritual of going to confession. Like that's, it becomes more right, of that. the yeah. prescription. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you go and you confess, it's not like your sins are forgiven because Jesus died and like everything's taken care of. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus died and is taken care of, but also do this. Right. Say your Hail Marys.
0: Repetition. Yeah. Something I said in the yeah. last episode. yeah.
2: And again, like I, <laughs> there's no shade. I just I grew up Protestant, so i have like a, a different. I just have a different view. Well,
0: and fundamentally, right? Protestantism was born out of the idea of the individual's relationship with God rather than the collective. the 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 kernel of of where that was born is that man's personal relationship with God rather well, than through the church.
2: Yes, but it's not from their point of view. It's not about community versus the individual. It's about understanding as a person versus being told because what happened was the reason that martin luther left the catholic church is because catholics were going to mass and they were being read scripture in latin Mm -hmm. and they didn't speak the language so they were being told something and they didn't know what they were being told understand it yeah (laughs) and so and this is during this was during like the dark ages
1: also, most people were illiterate. Yes, so they couldn't. Right. So they read couldn't it anyway. read it
2: anyway. And there was no publishing. We didn't have the Gutenberg press yet.
0: And soon thereafter, there was. Yes. which is attributed. Which to is their how success.
2: all of this came about to then result in the in the Protestant movement, which then did take off after that.
0: So I knew all along. Codron was Stefan's last name. Yes, and Michel was his brother. So when he announces himself to Eugène in this episode. It's very interesting when he walks and he does see the experiment first, the first part of the experiment where they're poking it with sticks and it's going, oh, don't hit me with that stick, the walker in the (laughs) experiment. And then he comes out and he sees the result. One of the things that I thought of overall was that perhaps during this moment, he's thinking there's something bigger going on here and maybe it has something to do with why Daryl left that boat. And I think maybe just like Rachel in some of the earlier episodes, at some point Codron might shift his gears and not seek vengeance from Daryl mm. for too much longer because he's going to see the bigger threat. He s- expresses it in this episode that he was in Marseille. Some dude said, join us and we'll upend this world the right way. We'll give we'll you fix a free the, tattoo. We'll fix the world. Right. And we'll give you a free face <laughs> tattoo, which is... <laughs> Not a good deal, but he took it anyway.
2: (laughs) The worst part is that it's like a tribal tattoo. It's like, it's so weird.
0: But you'll notice it, it does kind of look like the logo of uh, Pouvoir des Vivants, so... It's interesting. It's, I mean, people sometimes codify their belief in ink. And, you know, we got the Maori in uh, in New Zealand. Somebody
1: was a fan of George Clooney in From Dust Till Dawn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Somebody in the makeup department was definitely a fan of George Clooney. <laughs> from Dawn. That's so
2: funny that you say that because, again, this is about the webisodes. The first webisode was written by John Esposito. He was a producer on From Dust Till Dawn. And then he worked with Nicotero. Go.
0: Dang, he probably yep, still is. That's, that's nice yeah. tattoo.
2: Anyway,
0: <laughs> going back to Jeanne and Cordon, I do want to point out that she does have a fishbowl of lighters, I think it was, matches lighters, and she even has a flashlight next to her. So I, I thought the imagery of hmm. flames, the ability to start a flame, and the torch being the light, the last light of the world. Who said that? Kublik. Anyway. Interesting.
2: Okay, that's fair. Now that you say that with the lighters, it reminds me of the woman in the last episode of dead city
0: the president that yeah 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 new babylon yeah
2: something yeah affect. the woman in new babylon didn't she have a lighter Smokey, we called her Smokey, yeah and the band this is why yeah thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah yeah it's all coming back now
0: well she had the cigar and the light she did the same thing yeah she well Janae rolls up a cigar in this episode and Smokey has these premium <laughs> rolled cubans <laughs> that was made by the <laughs> ethanol and the processing of anyway, I, whatever getting the temperature it made just me right think of that
2: just now when you said that but
0: is there anything more annoying by the way than people who are cigar aficionados we get it you have a humidor okay sorry it's like on the same offense. level as
2: people who talk about the taste of hops and their beer to me <laughs> Which I'm now this realizing, tastes- like, is a slight towards you and your friend. I apologize. Yeah, my friend uh, <laughs>
0: Chris from On Tap, whose whole thing is about talking about beers from around the world.
2: I'm sorry, Chris.
0: I'll make sure to send him this clip. <laughs> He'll take it in jest.
2: You know a little bit about my background. I grew up with not a lot of money. Party
0: Bridget. Oh, not okay, anyway. a lot of
2: money. Party Bridget. And so I was a I was a Peebs girl all the way because it was fifteen dollars oh, for a Pabst Blue Ribbon. for a case. So uh, that's what I drink and not the natty light. No, I have some culture, man. I'm just kidding. I was a hipster anyway. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's news to me. I'm not going to lie okay. to you.
2: I drink PBR tall boys in a bar that someone once wrote on. on what was that? What was that app called? Foursquare where you could like leave those one sentence reviews. Someone once left uh, a like location
0: based app. Yeah.
2: On the bar that I, that was like my favorite bar, it said, This cracker barrel serves alcohol. <laughs> 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 so that just kind of gives you like the vibe that I had. Anyway, uh, you know,
0: you like Southern hipster going on in a weird way. I want to know
1: uh, where she got the tobacco.
0: Oh, well, you know, we are the last light. We have to have smokes. Wait, is it tobacco, though?
1: Well, that's what I was wondering. Is it tobacco? Ah. But either way, tobacco wasn't cultivated in Europe. It was cultivated in the U.S. Oh, yeah. If they yeah. it in Europe, they would have.
2: Maybe that's one of the things they're shipping over on that boat. Right. <laughs> is
1: there a plantation where they're? that's where they decided to go with repopulating the earth was growing tobacco? Well, what better than <laughs> dull the maybe populace? It's on the, maybe it's on the coffee plantation.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Maybe that's the hook. Maybe Codron, they it didn't quite travel down the pipeline to Marseille. So, so he would get the weed, too. He was just like, hey, we're going to fix the world and give you a face tattoo.
1: Oh, the people up there get weed? What a raw deal. He's saying, uh, I promised my parents I would take care of my brother. Well, maybe you should have taught him not to be a rapist. And then he wouldn't have been killed.
2: Yikes. Sorry, dude. Also, the other thing yeah, is, well. like, his brother was not, a, like, a, a baby. He was a full-grown man <laughs> right. who got himself into trouble, dude. But think about it.
0: The last words his parents said, be probably before the fall. And he is very, he's pretty young. Michelle looked pretty young. Oh, that's true. Even if he was like 25, it made him 13. Even 30. Let's go as far as 30. He would be 18. So that sticks with you.
1: Are we supposed to correlate, what's his name, Stefan, with Isabel? Because she also lost a sister that she was tasked with caring for.
2: <laughs> was that something that they're going <laughs> to find uh interesting and that we
0: have to find a purpose to something, to, to something. move on well
2: and now they finally crossed paths I mean, is that going to be a
1: connection point for
0: them no, they're all going to gun for it, quinn they by they the end lost. of it
2: <laughs> well <laughs> i wonder because this is this is a parallel through all three of their stories right tattoo face isabel and daryl tattoo face. the last person that you have <laughs> is who you're tasked with taking care daryl was never tasked with taking care of merle but that was his that was his blood
0: you're missing a very important piece. As much as I want it to be Merle, it's not Merle. What sent him on this journey to it's begin genius. with? <laughs> I'm just going to let's end recording. <laughs> no, it's Rick. Rick, finding Rick or finding them. Yeah, you're Rick right. Rick and Michonne, let's say. No, but your point still stands. I
2: don't They're know. All- I- I mean, I burdened. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I don't like when we leave out the fact that like he did have a brother and yes, that was a complicated relationship, but like we all have complicated relationships with family. I mean, maybe not all of us. Some of us, I guess, have normal operating. So like, congratulations. Good for you. <laughs> but how, how great to those how great of us you. who did not, no matter what happens with your family, even if you don't talk to them anymore. You still love them to some degree.
0: Yeah, of course. And I always. mean, you hold
2: love for them, however that may look.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think that relationship to this story is not yet over. The reason why I say that is let's jump around a bit. Why not? That's what we do. When Codron tries to get Daryl on the rooftops by the end of this episode, mm. you notice that Daryl has the upper hand at one point, then his people open fire. But what I saw in that moment is something very interesting. It's this weird looking at the other side of a story And of course, we should mention this because we haven't yet. There's a new game that is in development. The What If story. The Walking walking Dead. dead, What if this character lives? Yeah. So I saw that in this moment. I saw, well, what if Daryl was the one to die and Merle had lived? Mm. They're living each other's lives in a weird way. Daryl's older brother was murdered by the governor, which, okay, we talked about in in the first episode, I think it was. And then in this episode, Codron's little brother, Daryl, but it's Michelle, Got murdered, got killed. What would have happened if Merle had lived instead of Daryl? They're of the same story, but they're just each other's brothers, let's say. And in that respect, I I think there's another basis of them being able to see the other side of their stories and maybe see that in each other, aside from the fact that, yeah, maybe this group is bullshit. Maybe there's something wrong here. Maybe they're making things worse. And maybe it's because of them that Michelle got killed. Not really Daryl. Daryl was just there, wrong place, wrong time. And who knows, Bell might actually, she's still around. She might say something. Yeah, I'm wondering if she'll come back in a play. She has to. She went with them. Her fate isn't dis- mm-hmm. determined yet. Well, plus. We said that about Quinn. Stupid. We might see on the next stupid episode. Stupid face
2: came back in a play in World Beyond. That schmuck.
0: Stupid face? Yeah, you know, the the grifters. Okay, you're talking about Percy? Percy. No, it uh, it Percy. Per- <laughs> and what was his name?
2: I don't know who the, the uncle, the I don't remember the uncle. Tony. Tony. Yeah, was Uncle no, Tony. Some Italian.
0: Uncle Tony. Delmato. I yeah, like Tony. Tony Percy. Stupid I can face. Live that was enough to go by.
2: Well, he figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> I didn't really care for Percy, but anyway.
1: The only thing I want to say about the end scene is Daryl stood there for a good five seconds and watched that floor crack underneath him and didn't bother
2: yeah, to. Yeah, I was move like, why isn't he moving?
1: Anything. Daryl move. You're standing. Just stood there and looked at it.
2: Well, I know it's kind of like when you're on ice. And it cracks like you're not supposed to like rapidly move because it yeah, can actually I was cause thinking, more yeah, damage. Like fall but, over
1: backwards or something because he didn't even attempt to move. He just stood there and looked at it,
0: watched it crack around him. Well, I was thinking that too, the ice flow mm-hmm. situation or of the ice cracking. Because that's
2: what I was taught always as a child. I don't know why. Like I was taught that one. I wasn't in an icy environment. So why was I taught that?
0: <laughs> Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the time? Or no, was this, I grew in this up out?
2: here. <laughs> <laughs> so like i don't know why i was taught that i mean i was also taught how to swim out of an undertow and that did come in handy but mm-hmm. the ice thing never came up isn't it that you don't i forget oh no you don't swim no 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 you swim at a diagonal you swim
1: parallel to the shore yeah rather than try to swim so you try to try swim like out. rather than try to swim right, forward right, right. yeah right rather than try to swim forward to the shore you swim parallel until you're out of it
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. okay Okay. No,
2: it's not I that didn't you learn don't that. swim. Dave, never don't swim. Just
0: don't <laughs> swim, guys. Just let the thing, let the undertow take you. Just let you. it take you away. <laughs> take, take my advice on a podcast about the Walking Dead universe, or beyond, and beyond.
2: Well, you know, we like to give a little piece of survivalist information every once in a while.
0: You do. I do. I was watching a video where they found
1: this, like, little four-year-old girl on a unicorn raft, like, two miles out to sea. She'd been playing on the unicorn raft with her parents at the beach, and the tide caught her and carried her out And a fishing boat, found her two miles out to sea, sitting on the unicorn raft.
0: Alive, right?
1: Alive, she was alive. How
0: long had she been out
1: there? I mean, a couple hours, it wasn't long, but they had just, she just floated out and nobody could find her. Wow. She got caught in the tide and carried out.
0: Amazing. I say, you're you're (laughs) hearing Takira, aka Connie Dixon for Life, that's ko-fi.com slash Connie Dixon number four L-Y-F-E. Okay, now you can talk. (laughs) (laughs)
3: i came to say hi bye oh hi bye oh hi bye bye
0: bye thanks for thanks for being in the chat by the way i i have been looking at the chat
2: yeah i have too i've been reading what you've been saying yeah we like end up moving past it and then i'd be like oh well yeah
0: yeah it was more of a comment (laughs) than it was a (laughs) nugget
3: (laughs) i think the vicodin has slowed my typing skills (laughs) it's <laughs> yeah, fine we'll you can just sit and watch too
0: <laughs> A N- what's well, after A <laughs> yeah. D
3: except like X popped up so now you got a backspace and then you yeah. backspace too many backspace. times
0: backspace. what are letters <laughs> and what are letters it's to begin the, with
1: it's the computer lagging not me I swear <laughs> mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I know we were, we're racing towards the end but I took the bother of writing down what Anna Valeri, Quinn's new girlfriend, obviously, because she looks at Isabel all jealously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The singer, basically. Mm -hmm. So what she's singing in this episode is Le Temps de l'Amour, which is The Time of Love. And it's by Françoise Hardy. Hardy. The song is about basically living life while you're young, while you're youthful and op- optimistic, you go on adventures, you're, you're having the time of your life, you love hard too. And it also talks about when you get older, how even though love is ever present, the way you approach it is differently. You look at, at it more of a, as a lifeline, but you, it's really the song's about remembering your past fondly. Meanwhile, the past of all the people involved in the show, and maybe even for Daryl as well, it's almost as if their past is, a, is almost a curse or an anchor. The way Caldron talks about Michel, about his brother, and promising to keep him alive until he's murdered. The way Isabel talks about her past, and it being a burden that she can handle now in the present because she's been there before, and all the burdens she's had to endure since then. Even the burden that Laurent is placed under as the savior or messiah, this is a burden that has been foisted upon him because that's the way it is. When all he wants is to be a kid, and to experience the adventure, joy, and love, which I don't know about you, but it seemed like Laurent, his eyes were like saucers in the club, taking in everything and maybe even Sylvie as well. Uh, Yes. Because this is her time.
2: She was getting macked on by either Emile or Bastien. We don't know who it
0: was. I think it's Emile. Okay. Yeah.
2: He was like, hmm, the unattainable. I'm interested. Paris will be Paris. <laughs> boys Paris. will be boys. She's just
1: as innocent as Laurent when it comes to that, because she was so little when she got left at and the sheltered. Abbey. The only music they've probably ever heard is nuns singing religious music. I'm sure they've probably never heard any kind of, especially like nightclub-esque <laughs> type music. What and they've never place? seen anything <laughs> like that.
0: Yeah. sur la pont d'avignon, on dance it They've Whatever. never even
1: seen that in a movie or on T V. Like they have no mm. concept of that whatsoever. Like before we've ever been in a bar as as young people, we've seen bars on television. We know what to expect. Right. Yeah, they have never Cheers. had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or I mean shoot, Miami Vice, you know, they had bars in there. You know what I'm saying? Like like they've seen the we we have the benefit of seeing like nightclub stuff. They've never seen anything like that. That is totally, totally new to them.
2: <laughs> that's the that's your bar that's what you want to draw
0: the max from, <laughs> from, from, from saved by the by bell, the bell. <laughs> just, it's like the max with alcohol
2: <laughs> typical this, place you'd frequent this max right Bridget? has alcohol
0: <laughs> Le Tom de l'amour by francoise hardy h-a-r-d-y look it up it's pretty cool it's a good song too yeah i just wish Isabel would be more honest i think that was really the cause for all of the all these issues yeah mm-hmm. honestly and I think she realizes that by the end, sort of too. That had she been more f- open about not wanting to go to Paris, well, then he, they would have been a lot more prepared for what they encountered too. Instead of Daryl having to piece it together on his own by seeing the drugs, the photo, the scars, the You're on page that, all 23. That, all of that together, they're on page twenty three. You know, just in case he wanted to go back to it. You know, I am just being a good boyfriend.
2: F- you uh... were, Yuck. or
0: brother, eh. brother, a nice brother.
3: I feel like the more I see them interact. The less they like each other. <laughs> they
2: respect each other. My mom always said growing up, there's a thin line between hate and love, Bridget. Because there was this boy at <laughs> exactly school like who used that. to annoy the piss out of me. And I would come home every day and I would be like, his name was Carl with a K. And I'd be like, Carl. <laughs> I know, horrible. And I'd be like, Carl Sorry. got us all in trouble and we all got demerits today because he wouldn't shut his stupid mouth and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, always like... I think you're just talking about him a little too much. I, th- I think there's a thin line between hate and love, Bridget.
1: Methinks uh, you doth protest, protest too much.
0: much yes, <laughs>
2: and I was like, no, I really hate him. <laughs> Skipping
0: to the end of that story, knowing that you're involved with Travis, did she end up being right? No,
2: I vehemently <laughs> hated Carl. Still do to this day. That's why I remember that he spelled his name with a K. What's his la- which is the worst way what's to his spell last Carl. Name?
0: <laughs> Just, let's put him on blast. What's his last? I name? don't
2: know, but I I don't remember that because this is elementary school. This is elementary school. This is like really young Bridget. One of my elementary school teachers added me <laughs> on Facebook recently. This is like weird. Anyway, she posted a video in which we're singing the song "The Drinking Gourd." It's a story about the Underground Railroad. Anyway. I am making some just really classic Bridget faces in this video from when I was a child. I don't even remember learning this song. And clearly I didn't because I'm holding open the book in front of me. So, like, clearly I didn't bother to do the homework. Uh, (laughs) And and I'm just like this the whole time. (laughs) Like, at the camera, like, I was so mad about it. But anyway, it pans over and there's Carl. And all of a sudden uh, I was like, stop. Still can't stand that. Still <laughs> This
0: this really goes nicely to that conversation we had in Dead City about the light and the running the light, the guy getting too close, and that that whole thing. You don't forget, do you? The guy with the <laughs> just, light. Just- the traffic light the, the driving Ugh. and the guy did this thing and the, yeah so there you go i reminded you now bridget doesn't forget
2: i don't it's, a real, not, not do it's a real problem. let's not do anything it's bridget, a bad ever. thing i you shouldn't hold grudges it's it's wasted energy
0: <laughs> it's very ungodly of it you. is mm. Mm.
2: good thing jesus still well, loves me i got salvation baby
1: well done you might forget what people say and do but you never forget how people make you feel
2: and yeah. Car- so here's the other thing carl was in the ag program so were a lot of my other friends academically gifted baby that's what it's here down in the south the ag program anyway
1: gotcha. so he's are super successful or complete, <laughs>
2: who knows <laughs> it's a, a complete, complete toss failure up. the no ag working. program kids were always a little socially inept but anyway so i so we, maybe he's on the spectrum uh, or something i don't know i tested for ag and i missed it by like a point and that mm. haunted me like the rest of my life that I missed it by a point.
0: Maybe that's why you resent Carl Probably. so much in the rear view. But I
2: was really good friends with <laughs> another kid who was in AG. I still have fond memories of that kid.
0: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're like, maybe you did have a secret thing for Carl. I don't know.
2: Guess who I that's guess who was. I married? A guy who was in Carl? the AG program. <laughs> so- <laughs> All right, Scoob. Is Travis's
1: real name Carl? Did he change it?
0: Yeah. Well, Travis's middle name is Carl. So, let's <laughs> no, resolve that mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Carl. That's right, fine. It's fine. You don't have to lie.
3: Up North, that program is the GNA program. So oh. that's kind of hilarious to me. So
0: that GNR?
2: Yes. The GNR program. program. (laughs) I would personally. I would take
3: the GNR program.
2: (laughs) What happens in that (laughs) program? Program. (laughs) (laughs) What happens in that program? Exactly. A lot of fighting.
1: Dancing with Mr. Brownstone. (laughs) A lot of fighting.
2: He used to get a lot of fights. (laughs) Axl Rose liked to pick fights. It's it's both a PE and (laughs) (laughs) academic
0: program. (laughs) to the show anyway i did want to touch on one thing the backdoor plot to this series really is something that we really need to keep highlighting because lest we forget because everything that's happened to every other character burdens broken promises lies truths not being told some of this does have something to play directly with well no all of this has to directly play into the overall plot which is daryl why is daryl here to begin with how did not about how he got there but why he ended up in this mess. What was the kernel of it? And that was trying to find Michonne and Rick. And maybe Daryl himself is starting to figure out that he's been walking the same path as Isabel, putting a burden on himself. We saw this in the 10C episodes. Well, one of them at least, where he, find me, where he puts, he's, for years, he was putting on the burden, trying to find Rick until he said, finally, I got to walk away from this, essentially.
2: That's not the only burden he carries has he specifically
1: said that he's looking for Rick or did he just say that he went looking for something
2: he said he went looking he for something. something
1: yes he went looking for something and all he found was trouble yes so there is no saying that he is out specifically looking for we Rick. we
2: only make that s- assumption because of what he said when he left we'll also but he didn't ahead. even say that
3: when he left he just said if he got wind of them while he were out there that he would bring them home but I didn't get from what he said that he was specifically going out there to look for Rick.
1: As vague as they have been about how he got there, I have the feeling that we're gonna find out that he was looking for something else.
0: Because maybe... I'd like for that to be the case. Rick's already home. Hmm. Or maybe Rick's already dead. Maybe
1: Rick sent him to find
0: something. It's possible. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Well then, see, then we go back to the 12 year since the apocalypse thing and it just bothers me. I don't know how to explain it.
3: I think Rick makes it home before Daryl does, like they miss each
0: other. That's Mm -hmm. possible, but I have a feeling that all of these spinoffs will ultimately lead to maybe another spinoff where all of these storylines end up converging, because it has to. Slow your roll, Dave. Arguing with Dave. It doesn't have to, but it feels like that's where we're headed. You just argued with yourself. Dead City. They're going to pull a Madison and
1: Alicia and Rick will die before Daryl gets back and then somebody who we thought was dead is going to show up with his arm or something. I mean,
0: <laughs> but then the story continues. That's all. Like I'm the saying.
2: governor is back somehow. <laughs> the, governor, the governor
1: is going to show up and he's got Rick's left leg. And or he's some like,
2: shit. I mean, and he's <laughs> like, I'm not gone until I'm gone. It's <laughs> like what?
0: Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, Clark was her main also, name. Also, now her- my name <laughs> is Morris they didn't
2: trying kind to of break me again. Do you mean Maurice? No. No. Mo. No. It's Mo. It's Morris. His name is Morris. It's he was Philip, then he was Brian, then he's Morris.
1: Maybe he's Morgan. Mo, Morgan. Mo. 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 <laughs> to quote Law. The
2: beer balloon. I hate both The of you. beer balloon comes back. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's carrying Rick's I hate sled. You both. <laughs> and it,
0: And, and if you like what you've heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash Walking Dead. Five stars and a Nobel for oh. All we need to know that you love us, but tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us why the fuck you're laughing if you know it's going to cause internal bleeding. But remember to tell us these details after every single episode. And if you really like what we've done to your tummy tum tum, well, consider maybe following us on either Kofi or Patreon so that you can get the details of when we're recording next. So you can be in the real-time chat it's free to join free to follow and free to attend these recording sessions but if you are enjoying this as much as we are clearly <laughs> <laughs> consider tipping us on kodishfi.com or join a membership tier on either patreoncom slash Dead or Kofi for as little as a dollar, you'll get instant access to our Discord and the unedited episode recordings. As well as, if you join the Survivors and Whispers tiers, you can get shout-outs yeah. at the end of this episode. And if, clearly, if you're in the Survivors tier, you get to join us on screen, giving your thoughts, dying along the way, laughing as though there was no tomorrow. Takira, to you have a very young heart for someone who's very <laughs> fool-heartedly foolish in any case so i've been your host david cameo and i'm joined by Charity AK blazy gardner and bridget aka punky brewster you can reach at ko-fi.com slash punky brewster that's P U N K Y B R U I S E T E R, as well as survivors to your member takira wish her well you can find her at ko-fi.com slash connie dixon for life that's connie dixon the number four l-y-f-e i thought this was a pretty god i'd never give my impressions of this <laughs> <laughs> i never do it's
2: not important. Who cares? You talk the most out of all ca- of us, so it's fine.
0: Um, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Anyways, so I thought that this episode was pretty great, even though it was a little bit all over the place. But as you had said, to be expected, we're ramping up. Things are going to start to move since we are in the third episode. With three episodes remaining, you kind of have to go that way. And oh.
2: Was that a saw?
0: It's a, it's a saw. saw. Dennis yeah. is sawing outside. Okay. <laughs> with only three episodes it's remaining. Got Rick's.
1: He's cutting Rick's leg off out there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, now I have to keep that in and still
0: get <laughs> a joke. What are you doing with Rick's leg? Tainted <laughs> meat. <laughs> well i can't wait to see how this resolves and if we have more jokes like this at the end of the episode take care everybody we'll see you next week and for those Bye. of you who celebrate Bye, guys. have a solemn and meaningful yom kippur oh, yeah. tonight
2: i do have one more thing to say hey, about carl. Leg.
0: what about carl he, he was hot? the
2: kind of kid who asked for more homework
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode breakdown of The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, we like to give our top two membership tiers, the Survivors and Whispers tiers, shout outs at the end of every episode. It's a little thing that they get as a result of supporting this podcast. And if you're interested in joining their ranks, well, you can head over to ko-fi.com slash or patreon.com slash And if you decide to join the Survivors tier, you not only get first dibs at shout outs, you also have the opportunity to join us in episode Breakdowns lending your thoughts to these episodes. Starting with the survivors tier members, we have, of course, who joined us today, Takira, who you can reach at ko fi.com slash Connie Dixon for life. That's Connie Dixon, the number four L Y F E. Linda Peck Athens, who you can reach at ko fi.com slash fanart at Aliza Jones 71 on Instagram, or at Jones AJ 6 on Twitter. Definitely catch her podcast, Relishing the Dead, and of course, our benefactor, at Real Ryan GM on Twitter. In the Whisperers tier, we have at judith.morton on instagram aiden atkin you can reach at ko-fi.com slash aiden atkin at tyler philip cox on both instagram and twitter at sandy.d.morrison on facebook as well as lois at lois.martin.54 on facebook i cannot wait to break down the next episode of the walking Dead. daryl dixon with you if you want to join these recording sessions in the real-time chat it's absolutely free to do we'll say it again and again if we have to all you need to do is follow us on Kofi or Patreon. Following is free. Joining these recording sessions is also free, and it's a great way to lend your thoughts to these episodes. Take care, Rodi. We'll see you soon. And remember, in the meantime, we are squawking dead.